We've all got questions about the Bible and Christianity. Some of us are Christians and want to know how best to live for God and show our love for Him. Some of us are curious about what it means to follow Jesus. And some of us are skeptical of the idea of religion in general. Whatever your background, we invite you into these conversations that strive to take an honest look at what the Bible has to say on a wide variety of subjects. Each week, we will discuss questions that have been sent in from all around the world and try to find truth and practical application in God's Word. If you have any questions or follow-up comments, contact us anytime by emailing info at broadwaycoc.com. I'm Jed Lovejoy, and these are Conversations with Dan. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another one of our conversations here with Dan. Uh, thanks again for watching and sharing and all the different ways that you're tuning in with us. And as always, we want to remind you, send in any questions or comments that you may have. So this week, Dan, we're going to be talking about hyperbole. I thought that was hyperbole. Well, it depends on if you say it right or you, <laughs> <laughs> or you read the word. Not that I didn't think that's how it was pronounced for a little while. There you go. Uh, but there are things in the Bible that you read it and you go, surely that's not what it means. And the person who sent in the question said, for example, when the Bible says, go pluck out your eye so that you won't sin, does it really mean go pluck out your eye or is it using hyperbole? And if so, how in the world do you tell the difference in those situations? Well... Um, hyperbole as I understand it, and some of you out there may help me a little bit, is the overstating of something in extreme terms in order to make a point. Mm-hmm. Um, the example that uh, the, the questioner gave is from uh, the fifth chapter of Matthew, mm-hmm. and this is in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking about lust and adultery, yep. and uh, the, I'm not sure that this is as clear a case of hyperbole as some that uh-huh. I know in the Bible. Okay, It is certainly uh, perhaps a rabbinic uh, teaching device that Jesus imitates that is um, a comparison of something less to something much greater or something like that, but okay. it has similarities to, to hyperbole. Yeah. In um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, excuse me, 25, nope, 27. I'll get there in a minute. There we go. <laughs> 27. Uh, read down through uh, 20 uh, through 30 there, if you would. Matthew 5, 27 through 30. Okay. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. All right, if you'll notice particularly in verse 28, you have a principle laid down there. Mm-hmm. And that principle is if you continue to, to look at, means to keep on looking at. Yeah. If you continue to look at a woman with the intent of lusting after her, then you commit adultery in your heart. And to explain that, he gives a couple of rather exaggerated Examples. Yeah. But if you'll notice at the end of verse 29, the principle is reinserted, it is better for you. 
to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. There's no question about that. Yeah. And if you'll notice at the end of verse 30, same sort that of thing. same principle is reiterated. So, right. so what's more important to you, your eyes and your hands or your eternity with God or without God? See? Yeah. And so his, his real point in this is to get us to work on our hearts to control our minds so that we discipline ourselves to keep our eyes and our minds on yeah. our own husband or wife, see? So although it might be better to lose the eye, it's probably still going a step further than what most people would consider a normal behavior. Well, it, it may be going a, a, a step further, but I actually believe that Jesus himself believed and taught that you really would be better off to be hmm. without your eyes than to allow them to lead your soul to hell. True. And really the progression here is a heart problem uh, is what causes the wandering eyes. The because because the you physical. don't have your heart dedicated to your own wife or your husband and so therefore... You allow your eyes not just to look in passing, but to focus and continue to focus hmm. and continue to pursue another man or woman. Okay. See? And so the heart problem leads to a looking with lust problem, which leads then to a touching problem. See? Okay. So the eye is the, is the, the progression from the mind to the eye to hmm. the touching See, there's a progression there of right. sin. And he's saying that the root of all of that problem is the heart in the first place. See, so it is a little bit of a hyperbole. It's a little bit of a, a an extreme illustration, you might say. Yeah. But the truth in there is it really is better to lose part of your body than to go into hell. And that really where you work on all this is... By dedicating your heart and disciplining yourself yeah. in your heart. So, and so in that, even if Jesus believed that it is better to for you to go ahead, pluck out your eyes, than to have this issue, he probably wouldn't say, oh, you have a lust problem, go ahead, rip your eyes out. He would probably say, let's work on Let's work on things. your heart. So it yeah. is a little bit of hyperbole, but like you say, it's hard to say that that's completely there because of all right. the other example we have. Well, in the one of the reasons passage. is hyperbole is usually a poetic device. Uh-oh. And when we get into uh, narrative books yes. or speech narrative books like the Gospel of Matthew, uh-huh. it's not as much there. Now, Jesus did, I think, use hyperbole in okay. uh, Matthew 23 when... Um, he was talking to the Pharisees about some of their nitpicking uh, little rules that they added on to uh, God's law. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had little laws about uh, what you could swear by, and it was binding, and what if you swore by it wasn't necessarily binding. And and uh, he's trying to show them that they're missing the point of just being honest. Yeah, see? absolutely. And then if you go down to verse 23, Matthew 23, 23, Woe to you, teachers of the law, Pharisees, hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Mm-hmm. 
You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. And then he says, you blind guides, you strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. That's hyperbole. There you go. You don't really swallow a camel. They're not unhinging their jaw like some No, cobra. you can't get a no, camel no. down. He, <laughs> he, he'll, he'll make you choke if you try to swallow him. See, he's big. Yeah. But what he's saying is you're ignoring the big overarching principles of God's law mm-hmm. with your, with your Little minute, yeah. minute attention to some details while neglecting Huge items. He, mm-hmm. And he says here, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. It's, it's yeah. not that God didn't want them to tithe their spices, but God didn't want them to neglect the big things yeah. either. Yeah. See, So that's what he means. It's hyperbole, but this is really hyperbole. Okay, so this right is here. just a drastic overstatement to prove a point. That's exactly right. And, and uh, another place where you find this, if you go to Psalm 51. Okay. Which is a book of poetry. Yes, Psalms is poetry. Yeah. And there's a lot of hyperbole in the Psalms. True. Because it is poetic, and you have to understand that it's poetic. But uh, David is so broken over his sin with Bathsheba and his killing of Uriah the Hittite and all this stuff. And he's so penitent, and he's really seeing himself uh, as he really is. Uh, start with verse 3 and uh, read through verse 5 there. Psalm 51, 3 through 5. Okay. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Again, you, you only have I sinned. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. All right, so, so there in, in verse 5, you have a good example of hyperbole. What David is saying is he feels so bad, he feels so evil, he feels Mm. so dirty, he feels so down and low and beneath everything. He says, I was even conceived in sin. I was even born. Well, that's hyperbole. Yeah. Because the Bible teaches that we're not born evil and we're not born in sin. Mm -hmm. But that's how he felt. Yeah. And so that that overstatement describes how low he feels. It's not that we should take literally yeah. that he was conceived in sin. And it's a little easier to see those sort of statements because we understand the context of the Psalms. Right. So when we move out of books like the Psalms into Matthew or other books where it's more narrative format, right. how can we... I mean, are there a lot of examples like this, or are there easy ways to be able to tell when the writer is using an overstatement rather than a direct command? Well, and again, it would depend, again, on the context and the type of literature you're in. Mm. So you have historical narrative in Genesis, Exodus, etc. And most of the time in there, you're, you're... fairly literal in what you're reading. You have the Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Uh, Job is a play, and there's a, there's perhaps some hyper, hyperbole statements in, in Job. It's a play. Yeah. All of those are poetic books. Even sometimes in the prophets, there are sections of the prophets that are yeah. actually Hebrew poetry. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> so it depends on the context. It depends on the book. Um, I was trying to think of, of, well, I can give you another example maybe in the Psalms. 
Okay. In, in Psalm 46, you know, uh, there's there's a hyperbole there in the first couple of verses. Read one through three there. Uh, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, through the mount, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. All right. Literally, in the lives of people that are reading this psalm, mm-hmm. the earth is not going to give way and the mountains are not going to fall into the heart of the sea. But when you some catastrophe comes on your life or some tragedy mm-hmm. comes into your life, it feels like the ground has given way underneath you and that everything you thought was stable has just right. fallen into the sea. This is a hyperbole that is trying to describe the feeling of total loss of all kinds of security where it feels like your whole life just fell apart. It's, it's yeah. a poetic yeah. device. Now, this is the clearest place. Um, I, I'm not sure that what the questioner was asking about in Matthew is an actual hyperbole. Hmm. It's just an extreme example to make a point. Okay. Uh, the the, the uh, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel is a hyperbole. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to think of some other examples of that, but... Maybe that's something that if you out there go, oh, I've got that one verse in mind, they could send some of those in. You could send that in, and then we could say it is or isn't. Uh, Another one that I think may be um, thought of this way that may not be, Romans 12. If you look at Romans 12, verse uh, 19 and following, it's talking about uh, whether we should avenge ourselves. Read there a little bit. Romans 12, 19, 19. FF. Okay. Uh, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil by but overcome evil with good. Now you got that part, by so doing, you shall heap burning coals on his head. Mm Mm-hmm. See, that, is a, that really isn't a case of hyperbole. There was actually an ancient repentance ritual in the Near East <clears throat> where one of the ways that people said, I'm sorry, was to, they would go to their hearth. Everybody liked to keep a fire burning in their hearth for cooking mm-hmm. and for whatever. Everybody always needed good coals. And so they would get some coals out of their hearth and they would put it in a wooden dish or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they would go to the door of the one they wanted to apologize to and they would have this bowl of hot coals on their heads. And when the person opened the door and saw you standing there with the hot coals to offer you for your fireplace, they knew that what you were trying to say was, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Hmm. So what he's really saying there is not to burn and cause pain and misery to your to your enemy. He's saying that by doing kindness, you're going to melt their heart so that they will want to put the coals on their head and come to you and say, huh. I'm sorry. So even that is really not a hyperbole. Yeah. See, it's the not question a- was about hyperbole. Oh, yes. And I'm trying to really deal with that. And so not every occurrence that you think is really is. Yeah. And that's one that I don't think I would have ever thought of it as hyperbole, more as figurative language. Yeah. But uh, it really might not even be that if, yeah. if we understand it that way, like I explained. That it, may so. be the case. <clears throat> so it's not, I think from the question, from the question itself, 
it's not always clear cut whether it's there or not. And I think that the easiest answer may be you have to pay attention to the context. Surprise, and to surprise. the type of literature you're in. <laughs> it's like we've had that answer for something before. Yeah. It's hard to make a clear cut. There's not a one-size-fits-all yeah. for this question. You'd have mm. to give us a, the example of the passage yeah. that you're interested in, and then we could discuss that particular passage. There we go. So, thanks for the question. It was kind of <coughs> an answer, maybe more thought-provoking than full answer, but that's the case sometimes. Yep. So, thanks, Dan. Thank you all for your questions. Have a great week. Thanks again for listening to these weekly conversations between myself and Dr. Dan Owen. Conversations with Dan is an outreach and teaching ministry of the Broadway Church of Christ in Paducah, Kentucky. You can find us online through most of the major social media sites or through our website, broadwaycoc.com.